Let's all turn to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. I suspect that we will sing that song a couple of times during Lent, leading up to Easter. So, uh, thanks to uh, Cody for bringing that one to us. Or He, he didn't write it, but you, if you want to think he did, that's fine. So we're in the season of Lent. Oh man, loud. My voice is louder during Lent. Um, Second Sunday of Lent, which is a season of uh, fasting and prayer and confession and repentance. And there's just a lot of things tied up in it. Um, It is this global part of the... Well, it's it's a global season that is celebrated by Christians all over the world. All different denominations and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is a, a journey toward Easter Sunday. And um, it's built into the church year so that we... Um, so in part so that we spend the right amount of time focusing on the right things. And so there are technically... There are 40 days, uh, but Sundays don't count. Because each individual Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. So it's 40 days plus some Sundays. And so it goes from Ash Wednesday all the way until, until Easter... Uh, so this is our second Sunday together, and so a lot of the, the songs that we're singing will, will be a part of that journey toward, uh, toward Jerusalem, toward the cross, toward the, really what Christianity um, like focuses on as like the, like just like one of the big like things that we hang our faith on is what Jesus did as, as a, part of, uh, a part of why he came to the earth, to redeem and to save and to make all things new, and so uh, our celebration of that is weeks long. It's not just this one weekend where we kind of pack it all in there. We we begin and we prepare ourselves, and uh, it's just it's just a really special time of year. And so I hope that you um, have found some ways to to fast and to create some space in your days uh, to break r- normal rhythms of life. Um, two Sundays ago, that's what the sermon was about, uh, as far as Lent and fasting and that kind of stuff. So if you want to go back and listen to it, you know, it might be a good point of reference. But um, on Sundays, uh, we're, we're sort of um, continuing on something that was begun a couple of weeks ago. Uh, on the night when we had our church birthday party, our ninth birthday, uh, we, looked at, we looked at a passage of Scripture at the end of the, of the second chapter of Acts. And... Um, uh, an author and teacher named C. Peter Wagner, um, he identified six characteristics or six qualities in the very first group of Christians uh, from that passage. And so on that night, I just kind of went through his list of six and talked about um, the ways that we've seen God shape some of those things among us and, and ways that we hope to see that continue. And um, So... That kind of was synced up at the same time when we were praying for the 30 days of prayer, where we were coming before the Lord and just asking Him boldly for some things. And uh, So when you put all that stuff together, it seems like there have been some, some themes that have emerged. And so I just felt really, it just impressed upon me uh, as far as the teaching on Sunday nights to take some of what was revealed through our, our time of prayer, our month of prayer, 
And also looking at that passage and some of the things that, that C. Peter Wagner saw in that, in that text and uh, kind of bring that to light. And so I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not, but last week we, we talked about prayer and the things that we learned by praying together for a month. And also in light of the fact that the New Testament church, they were devoted to prayer. And so it all seemed to line up. We're looking at this text that says, man, the very first Christians were devoted to prayer. It was the most, probably the most fruitful time in the history of the church. So we should be devoted to prayer. And then we prayed for a month, and God taught us a lot of things about prayer. And so all that kind of matched up. Well, tonight I want to I look at another component that we see in that second chapter of Acts, something that has been revealed uh, and, like, through, through prayer, but also just for the last couple of years. Um, something that is just heard a good bit among us is, is a struggle with, um, with how to interact with the Scriptures, you know? Like, how do you... What do I do with the Bible? Um, and... and I think that it's something that God's, I think he's taught us and shaped us. You know, we gave a, a whole summer of community group topics to the Bible and how to study it and that kind of stuff. And it, but it still seems to be something that, that God is cultivating us and growing us in. Uh, this past week in community groups, you know, we talked about uh, seeking understanding and how important that is. And uh, our understanding of God and who he is and who we are because of it and how he works and what he's doing and how to discern that. All, there's so much that's... That's wrapped up in that, and we find the answers partially through the through the scriptures that He's given us. Um, and so, I've found that there's really there's really kind of three things that seem to be real consistent in the New Testament and in like our life together is that as we are as we're like like in our faith, this relationship with God, there's like three things that are kind of always interwoven. Uh, there's prayer, and there's the Bible. And there's community. That those three things working together, we see it in the New Testament, we see it in our own lives, that that is, that is a lot of, like, the, those, that's what God uses to keep us connected to Him, to keep us growing, to connect us to each other, that we could be encouraged. Prayer and the Scriptures and community. Um, but I think it's real easy sometimes to just default to community, to other people, as, like, the primary, like, sharpening force in our lives. And some of that, I think, is because prayer is mysterious, you know, a little bit. And so I think over the 30 days of prayer, hopefully some of that mystery has been taken away. And I think that Jesus is continuing to simplify our understanding of what prayer looks like. Um, but we still, you know, there's still a desire for our prayer lives to be more, to just to have more depth and more intensity and more consistency. And I think the same thing can be said of the scriptures. And so we don't want to just default to other people and learning from, only from other people we need that integration of all the things that he has given us. And um, while there are, of course, other disciplines and other things that he uses, I believe that those are the, like, the three big ones that we see in the scriptures and in life together. And so um, we're going to talk tonight about the Bible. And we're going to use the Bible to talk about the Bible, which seems like circular reasoning. I, I get that, but uh, that's what we do. And so that's what we're going to do. So, um, so it says in that second chapter of Acts that, that they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. That the men who had walked with Jesus, they had been his disciples, had now become uh, authority figures in this, in this new, brand new church. And so everyone's looking to them, and they had been gifted uh, in certain ways. They had been called, they had been placed there on purpose to give leadership and uh, structure to this 
church that went from like 120 people to like thousands of people in a short amount of time. Uh, so they were devoted to that. It says that they continually gathered uh, at the temple and they gathered in each other's homes. And um, most of your like New Testament like experts believe that, it, that they were constantly learning from the apostles, learning from each other, praying together. And then going out and doing life. And they were like, so there's this gathering and sending always involved prayer and it always involved the apostles' teaching. Um, so now they didn't have the New Testament like we have. Like they didn't have like a Bible that they would carry with them into these meetings. Uh, they were learning from the Old Testament a lot. They were learning from the words of Christ. They were writing some of these things down, these eyewitnesses that were there. Uh, but we have, like we, here, this is what we have. So we have a real distinct advantage, so to speak, uh, over the New Testament church because we have a, a, this full copy of the scriptures that has been um, tried and tested and approved over a long period of time. Um, and so here we are with this copy of the scriptures that unfortunately can be kind of intimidating. Uh, so we're going to look at this text right here that will maybe help us to think correctly about the Bible that will drive us into the disciplines of the Scripture. Uh, if, we, if we spend a month learning how to think correctly about prayer, hopefully that's, that's driving us into a deeper prayer life. And so maybe tonight we'll be in maybe another, another step toward a deeper pursuit of God's Word, no matter how, uh, how intense you are right now. So 2 Timothy 3 is kind of the like, go-to passage for this, and you'll see why. Um, so let's look at it. Start in verse 16. It's just 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So what we're going to do is we're just going to we're going to kind of break that down phrase by phrase and see if um, if maybe there is some. Uh, some reordering of our thinking, maybe some a new or different way of looking at stuff, something else to consider. Because I know, I know that if you're a Christian, you desire deep prayer life, deep life in the Scriptures, deep life in community. God put that desire in you. None of us is like, you know, I'd really like to be an expert at community, but never pray, never read the Bible. Nobody's gonna, nobody says that, and nobody really thinks that way, but... Sometimes, knowing that it's a struggle, we do kind of lean, like lean away from it a little bit. But we all desire that depth. We all desire to look at this text and to say, yeah, I, um, I'm taught and uh, there's rebuke and there's correction and there's training in righteousness for me daily in the scriptures. That's a part of it. Um, we all want that. And maybe you're getting closer to that. Maybe you're not, you know, whatever. But Perhaps learning to think correctly about it or learn, think differently about it will drive us forward. So let's, let's start at the first part of verse 16, um, where it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. All, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, I know that this, uh, this probably seems a little bit cuckoo to people, uh, especially people who are not Christians, don't want anything to do with it. They probably think that we're all insane to think that God wrote a book. You know, um, and well, we believe that God wrote a book like that's a part of our Christian faith and we embrace it, even though it is mysterious. It's a little strange. It's not something that we can 100 percent understand thoroughly. Um, but, you know, God seems to have left a lot of mystery in things. 
that makes us trust him. It seems like he, on purpose, has left some gray area so that we are like, well, I, you know, there's enough black and white that he's given us for me to trust him in the gray. And I think that the Bible is one of those things for us. Uh, so let me, let me kind of offer some thoughts on this that might be helpful. This, a lot of this stuff was in that summer community group a few years ago. But um, to think about like the Bible being breathed out by God, written by God, it literally means that everything, everything that we have here, we believe, begins with God himself. So you may have a Bible that has the words of Christ written in red, you know, but um, someone in that, that community group a few summers ago said, so really, I, I mean, all of it should be in red, right? Like, yes, that's, that would make my eyes hurt, but that's a really amazing way of thinking about it, that, that all, of it, all of it begins with God, like even the super boring parts. And I think that God knows that there are parts of the Bible that are really exciting, and there are parts of the Bible that are not quite as exciting. Like, I don't think his feelings are hurt. Like, they don't like my book. You know, I think, I think he understands that there are some parts that aren't super thrilling, but they are all very, they are all important. They all play a role. Um, but God wrote the Bible. So, uh, you don't need to turn here. We're going to put the, these verses up on the screen. There's a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. That sort of offers a little bit of explanation about how this authorship works. This is what it says. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right? We're going to look at that, just that last phrase for a second. Men spoke from God as carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the most clear explanation that we have of how, this, uh, how God wrote a book, but yet men wrote a book. Um, so we're talking about like 40 different authors over 1,500 years. Most of them never met each other. Uh, three different continents, three different languages, you know, like, but yet there's this one theme that runs from beginning to end. So it's not just, a, not just an ordinary book. So God wrote a book through men who spoke from God as carried along by the Holy Spirit. So let's break that down for a second. So men spoke. Um, that's like human personality and writing style were not overridden by the Holy Spirit. But they were used intentionally and, and perfectly. So when you read the things that Moses wrote, you're seeing his personality come out in that. When you read the book of James and it just kind of punches you in the face, that's because James was the kind of guy who would probably punch you in the face. You know, like that's his personality that's in there. You see, you see Paul um, and just his, his love that he has for the, the people in the churches that he started, you know, and, and for Timothy, his disciple. And you see that coming out. And so... It wasn't the kind of thing where these men went into some trance and just were like writing, you know, whatever, and they woke up and like, well, what's going on? Look at this amazing scroll filled with ink, you know, whatever. They were, like, it was their personalities and their experiences and, like, their eyewitness account or the things that they had gathered. Yes, it was written by men, but it says that men spoke from God. They weren't just writing. The words found their origin in God himself. His ideas, 
his agenda, his truth, things that he wanted communicated. Uh, so there was this inspiration that was going on. And so it's this fusing together of their personalities and experiences with the fact that God was empowering them in what they were writing. Uh, and the last part says, as, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't know what that means. But I kind of know what that means. We know what it's like as Christians to be carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know? You've probably been in situations where, where you weren't sure what to do, and then the next thing you know, like the Spirit of God is giving you courage or giving you words to speak, or um, you've gone to comfort someone and you were so intimidated, and the next thing you know, like you're offering them this like really like Jesus-like comfort. You've probably shared your faith better than you think you have. You know, you've probably, you know, there's just so many things where you've been carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God was involved when all, of, all 40 of these authors uh, sat down to write these different things. The Spirit didn't override them. He empowered their efforts. And so as they're writing, that's how this one consistent theme emerges, is that although these authors never met each other, most of them, and uh, have very little connection with each other, because the Spirit was the one doing it, this theme uh, is developed over these like 1,500 years. And so that's kind of how divine authorship works. It's both happening at the same time. The, the thing that, that I think sometimes is, it comes into question is this. It's like, okay, so how is that different from, from God inspiring someone to preach a sermon, someone to send an encouraging email, someone to write a, a very powerful and popular book that uh, changes a lot of lives, or someone to do you know, a, a, a podcast series or something? You know, how, is, how is it different? Well, in some ways, it's not different. In some ways, the writing of the Bible, men speaking from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit, in some ways, that's not any different than what you and I do every single day when we're abiding and we're letting God work through us. The difference, or one of, one of the big differences, there are some differences. So there are some, some things that are alike, but what separates it is that the Bible is authoritative in ways that those other things are never going to be authoritative. So if you were to, if you were to take our podcast and go in and take a, a transcript of when Matt Iglesias preached, for example, um, and you were to go and you were to like type that, all, that out, send it to a bunch of people, it may encourage them and bless them and all that kind of stuff, but it would not equal the Bible in authority over their lives. That's the difference. It can be encouraging, it can be inspiring, it can be all that kind of stuff, but it's not something that you measure your life by. So when we call the Bible, when the Bible is referred to as the canon, a canon is a rule or a standard by which other things are measured. And so the Holy Scriptures, the Bible that we carry with us, is what you measure your life by. When, when there's some sort of situation you aren't sure what to do, if the Bible addresses it, you now know what to do. It's not a suggestion, necessarily. This is, God wrote a book, and he wanted you to have this message, you know. And so, things like, things like conflict resolution. Let's, let's take that, for example. So, so, someone might send you an email that's like, hey, I, think you re- I really think you need to resolve this conflict with your, your buddy, or whatever. That email doesn't have authority. 
the way someone says, hey, uh, let's turn to Matthew 18 and see what Jesus would say about what you should do. And in Matthew 18, Jesus is very, very specific and very explicit about what we need to do. And when, the, when it says it in the Bible, that is the rule or standard that we measure our lives by. So while both, both may be like find their origin in the Lord and all that kind of stuff, there's a difference as far as like how the Bible is to be used as compared to other things. And, and we need to be careful about something. And I, I want to make sure that you don't... I want, I want to make sure that you hear what I'm saying and that you don't hear the things I'm not saying, if that makes any sense. Um, we need to be really careful about extra-biblical stuff that we're reading and the role that we let it play in our lives. So, um, I, I understand that you know, Jesus is calling and that she reads truth and that Jabez had a prayer and that Oswald wants you to give your utmost. You know, like I understand all those things and how valuable they are and how much we treasure them all. Um, but they are not the Bible. You know? They're not. And I understand that sometimes you need some help understanding what, what is being written here. And I joke sometimes, I'm like, well, if we, were, if we were first century Jews, a lot of this stuff would make sense. And that's absolutely true. There's tons of stuff in here that we just don't get because of cultural things and whatever. And so I'm a huge fan of study Bibles and commentaries and devotionals and all those kinds of things. I think that they are great supplemental things. But if our time is spent in someone else's words about the Bible instead of God's own words from the Bible then there's some order that we need to get straight in that. Okay? So please don't hear me. Don't be like, oh man, Josh said I gotta like I can't, you know, read Oswald Chambers anymore. I have to get rid of this devotional. That's not what I'm saying. But we just need to be careful, one, that we're not reading crazy stuff. And so there's an internet is filled with craziness, as you know. Um, so be, we have to be careful and all those things have to be filtered through the canon, right? It has to be filtered through there. But sometimes it's so easy to you know, you, you have a devotional, it has like a verse at the top and then like six paragraphs. And we spend all this time in those six paragraphs that are supposed to be pointing us to the first verse. And a lot of times they do, but man, that's a, that's a struggle. And I struggle with it, and I know, I know that some of you struggle with it too. I'm not assuming that everybody does. Um, so each, each week I, you know, prepare sermons and I write community group material. And... The trap that I fall into is going right to those extra biblical things. Go into that study Bible, go into that commentary, go into everything else. And I, I've had to uh, really listen to the Lord when, when He's like, just, just spend, spend time in the, in the actual text first. Those things are great and they, they play a role, but just, just sit with me a little while. And let me, let me teach you, you know. Let me bless you. Let me encourage you with this. And when I do that, I mean, I'm abiding more deeply. It's an active way that I'm dialed in with the Spirit. And, and truthfully, I think that things, are, things are, go better from that point forward when I'm writing or, you know, whatever. So, again, please don't go home and throw out Jesus Calling. I think Jesus Calling is great, Okay. However, just, just be careful. That's just a pastoral word of, of caution. Um, I know that there are a lot of questions. I'm, I'm moving on. Uh, questions come up about infallibility, you know, and cultural relevance, you know, and like, 
uh, were Adam and Eve real? You know, there's like so many of these things that come up and, and controversies. And if you just, if you get on the internet and you start like Googling stuff, like you, it's just a mess. Um, I'm not saying those things aren't worthy of discussion. I'm just saying that sometimes they uh, can really be used by the enemy to discourage us and to get us off track. But you need to, you need to know something, that the, the smartest biblical scholars on the planet, historically, all agree that the Bible is trustworthy, that it does what it was designed to do. And while there are times when it seems like, man, that looks like it contradicts, or I don't really know how this applies today compared to the first century or, or the ancient Near East, and those are all very legitimate things to have, but we don't throw it out. Sometimes we just need to get more educated about it, or we need to just humble ourselves and say, you know what, there's just some stuff that, I just, that we just we don't know. There's enough that we do know. There's enough black and white to lead us through the gray. And so the Bible is trustworthy to do what God designed for it to do. Um, so God made a great effort to put a book in our hands. Um, and one of the things that, uh, well, that alone, just think about it just for, just for a second. Like God wrote a book and wanted to make sure that you had it in your hands. So just think about it for a second. Like that, that truth alone should make us crave the word. We should be dying to read that. And I think that, that there are times when, you know, when our reasoning or our, like, whatever, for maybe not digging into the word enough, some of it is, like, uh, maybe a lack of equipping. Um, you know, we're intimidated by it, we don't know where to start, we're, you know, that kind of stuff. We're ADD, we're lazy, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. But really, I think a lot of us probably, it, w- it would begin with learning to think correctly about the Bible. I was at uh, a camp uh, years ago, and some of you were there, and you were young, uh, and you're not young anymore. And so we were all there, and uh, Vody Bauckham was speaking at this camp, and it was a youth camp, and so there was probably 200, 250 teenagers there. And he made a statement that I just still remember. He made a lot of statements I still remember, but this one was, uh, was really strong. When he was talking about the Bible, and he said, you realize, he said, I've been watching you guys for a couple of days, and the most, use, the most useful thing about the Bibles to you guys is that it saves your seat. Everyone's like, oh, man. Because he was right. Like, people would they'd rush in the worship center and they put that Bible down, like, as a placeholder. And he said, Look around. Some of those Bibles are on the ground. He said, Your Bible is on the ground. He just, like, he gave us the business. <laughs> he said, Think about, think about what, what, it, what we're talking about here. So, God wrote a book, and it's on the ground. Because it was just holding your seat, and when you got there, you just put it put it down, you know. And that's really stuck with me. The first time I went to India, uh, Ringo and I went, and we were at this house church, and the, everybody's seated on the floor, and the pastor was teaching, and his, his Bible was in one of the, it's like a cradle, like this, and I uh, was sitting, sitting there, and it's because they said, you don't let the Bible touch the ground, you know. There was a time when the American flag, what would they do with an American flag if it touched the ground? They would burn it. 
They would like honorably put it out of commission, you know. And yet here's this Bible that we should treasure, you know. So I'm not saying that the Bible should be worshipped, all right. I'm not equating it up there with Father, Son, Spirit, you know, or anything like that. But, man, it's not just a book. It's not just a book. It's a book that God wrote. And he went to, he went to great lengths to make sure that we would have it. And I find myself praying that a lot. Just thanking God for making sure that we have, like, the Bible, but even, like, certain passages and stuff that are so meaningful to me. So maybe learning, like, us getting where we think about the Bible for what it is, that all of this was breathed out by God. So it's not just a book. All right. Now we're going to quickly go through the rest of it. So I know that I spent a lot of time there, but that's what I felt like I needed to do. So... It's breathed out by God. So when I say that it's trustworthy to do what it was designed to do, Paul is telling uh, Timothy here uh, exactly what some of those things are. So it says, it's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Um, let's, look at, let's look at each of those things real quick. Profitable for teaching. When C. Peter Wagner wrote that that part of his like, description of the New Testament church coming out of Acts 2, he didn't say that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. He said that they were devoted to learning. And that really, that really stood out to me. That they were, they were hungry to learn. That they were teachable. That they were humble. That there was, like, the reason why they were like, meeting together every day and learning from the apostles was because they, they just couldn't get enough they felt like they must have felt like they had so much to learn, so far to go. In First uh, Corinthians two, again, you don't have to turn here. We'll put it on the screen. First Corinthians two thirteen and fourteen says this: it says when we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean, the truths of God are spiritually discerned? That means that you don't understand or learn the truths of God apart from the Spirit teaching you from the Scriptures. So for you and I, if we ever learn anything from the Scriptures, it's not because we're awesome. Or because Tim Keller is awesome, or whomever, whatever preacher you're listening to, or because uh, the She Reads Truth people are awesome. I don't know who they are. But uh, it doesn't, it's not because those people are awesome. It's because the Spirit has like, empowered you in those moments to learn from the Bible. Directly, indirectly, whatever. So, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, but it's not just teaching like this teaching. It's God himself being your teacher. So God wants to teach you. God wants to teach me. Again, this is not how I typically think about things. It's not how I approach time often when I open up the Bible. I'm usually thinking like, okay, I've got to learn something. I've got to dig in. I've got to do this. Instead of thinking, all right, God wrote this book, and now he wants to empower my efforts, and he wants to literally teach me himself. So why, why would you want to learn from Tim Keller when you could learn from Jesus? You know? Why would we want to learn from all these other sources when we can learn from him directly? 
for me, that comes back to, like, to order, you know. It's Jesus as my primary teacher through the book that he wrote. And then there's these other people and the things that they have learned. But you know how they learned it? They learned it from sitting down with Jesus being their teacher. And so it's this big cycle that just, like, keeps on going and going and going and going. So scripture is breathed out and profitable for teaching. This requires two very important things that are they're basically uh, siblings. Humility and teachability, which might not even be a word, but there you go. Humility and teachability. There are times when the reason why we don't learn things from the Bible is because we really don't think we have anything to learn. We don't recognize our own need. We think we've got a lot of stuff figured out, you know. We get hung up on this idea that, like, well, I mean, I, I know all that already. I just need to, like, apply it. And I say this all the time, mostly preaching to myself. is like, yeah, but if you really knew it, then you, then you would be applying it. So you really don't know it yet. So we keep learning, but you have to be humble enough to say, I don't know how to do this. What a beautiful moment in the New Testament when the disciples went to Jesus and they were like, hey, can you teach us to pray? What humility it must have taken. And they were teachable. And so Jesus sat down with them and he taught them how to pray. And he gave them a text for them to learn from. And they wrote it down and remembered it. And now we have it, you know. It's just that teaching cycle that just continues. But maybe maybe your hang up with the Bible is that you really don't think you have that much to learn. Maybe. So that would probably be worth considering. Especially if you're sitting here and you're like, man, the Bible plays no role in my life, you know. Well, maybe, maybe it's a teachability issue. Maybe it's a humility issue. Maybe it's an equipping issue. or maybe, maybe it's something else. But it could be that you just don't really want to learn that much. Uh, so it's breathed out by God, profitable for teaching. Then it says profitable. Or basically, you can still understand it. It's profitable for re- reproof. So reproof means rebuke. That's kind of the same thing. Uh, so the scriptures are designed to rebuke you. You know, It's like, oh, man, can't wait to dive in tomorrow, you know. Uh, yeah, nobody likes to be rebuked. But we think that rebuke is like someone yelling at you. We think rebuke is like you're like, I don't know, your high school baseball coach just chewing you out for something or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Go to whatever scenario you grew with. We think that rebuke looks like that. But, but rebuke in a, in a biblical sense is what it means. It means to expose sin in order to lead to correction. Rebuke is saying, like, hey, this is a problem, and I love you enough to point it out because I want this to be corrected in your life. Rebuke is the, when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus, and he's like, what do I need to do? I've, done all, I've kept all the rules. And Jesus says, you need to go sell everything and then come follow me. That was rebuke. Jesus said, I'm going to expose the sin in your life. I'm going to expose the idol in your life so that it will lead to correction in your life. Jesus didn't just bust people's chops just for the heck of it. It was always leading somewhere. So the Bible does that. The Bible brings about that conviction about the things that that we need, and that's the Spirit coming alive, empowering your efforts, and next thing you know, you're like, like, man, that's, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And so maybe that's why we don't run to the Scriptures, because there are times when it exposes things that we would rather not be exposed but it's leading to correction. And how awesome that the next thing it says it's good for is for correction. 
breathed out by God, profitable to rebuke you, but also to lead you into correction. And correction means to, to restore to an upright state. So that's why Jesus, that's why with the rich young ruler, he said, you need to go and do this and then come and follow me. That was the, that was, it was completing the cycle. It was deal with the sin so that you can come and follow me, so that you can be restored to uprightness. So those need to be paired together in our mind. The scriptures are there to expose sin in order to lead us into correction so that we can be restored and um, walk in the ways that, that God made us to walk. So the scriptures are refining to us. Then it says, the next thing, for training in righteousness. Righteousness is, is that like, behavior, that, like, well, it's the outworking of the holiness that exists within you. It's where you're living in such a way that's consistent with the holiness that God has provided in Christ. It's spiritual maturity. It's uh, fruitfulness, it is like this Christ-like like transformative thing that's happening in us. So the Bible is there to train us in righteousness. So it's a training book. It's, it's like training to do anything else. Like It starts off really difficult and then it becomes more and more natural over time. And so God's given us a book to read. You know, what, one reason I think is because uh, we venture off track so much. So he's like, hey, I'm going to write this book that will make it through the generations so that you always have something that is constant to learn from, to compare things to. Here's this book that completely lays out everything that you need to know in order to live in a way that's consistent with holiness. So in this idea of like it's not about tra- uh, trying harder, it's about training, um, the Bible is going to be a part of that at all times. And the last thing it says is uh, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Literally everything you want to see your life become. Literally everything. The scriptures speak to and are designed to play a role in bringing you there. So everything you want to see yourself become as a son and daughter of the Lord, as a brother and sister to other people, as a spouse, as a parent, as a co-worker, as a friend, everything that you want, God's given you the scriptures to help train you in how to do that and equip you for every good work. So if you think that you can be a phenomenal spouse apart from the scriptures, you're incorrect. You want to be a great parent? It won't happen apart from the Bible. We have a parenting conference coming up in a couple weeks, and the professor that, that's coming from the seminary, Dr. Peavy, she's going to talk about the importance of your kids being able to like hold the Bible and see the pages and, fe- and feel it and read it, because we learn that, that way. And so you want to train your kids correctly, praying with them, amazing. Read the Bible with them. All the things that we want to become, every good work, this book that God wrote for us, is a part of it. And so if you're intimidated, then pursue a deeper understanding of, of how, how Bible study works. Pay, start to pay attention in community group, and even on Sundays, all we do is just go slow. You know? We went through two verses tonight, phrase by phrase. You can do that. You know? pursue, find someone who knows how to do it, sit down with them and learn. If it's about thinking incorrectly, then 
ask the Lord to help you think right. If you aren't teachable, if you aren't humble, He can form that in you. You know, I mean, there's just there's just so much there. But we we don't want to be we don't want to fall into the trap of just relying on people. When God, when God has given us these beautiful gifts of prayer and the Scriptures and the integration of all those things, so I know that I've talked for a while, and I'm you know, it is what it is. But I hope that um, I hope that maybe maybe some healthy things are stirring. I hope that maybe there are some things that we can think about a little bit differently, that we could continue to become people of the word more and more and more. Let me um, let me read you one thing. Actually, won't, yeah, why don't you stand up as the band comes up? Um, right before those verses in Second Timothy, it says this. This is 14 and 15. It says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's saying to Timothy, he's saying, Ever since you were a kid, you were trained in the Scriptures, and because of that, it led to your salvation. So for us, if you're a Christian and you're here... You were saved because of because the power of the word like worked its way through the church somehow. Like we aren't we don't know who Jesus is apart from the scriptures. We don't know anything that God's like. We don't know anything about the cross. We don't know anything about you know whatever. And so we're about to sing in Christ alone. And every single thing in this song comes from the Bible. And the reason why we know it is because we have the Bible. You know. And so so much of what we love about our faith. Uh, and honestly, every single bit of it. This, this is where it comes from. And so I hope that however God wants to use this stuff tonight, He'll use it. And maybe even as we sing, all the things that we're singing, maybe just, just this connection to the book will be excellent. So let me, let me pray for us before we sing. Lord God, thank you for, um, for working through... Uh, throughout history to make sure that we would have the scriptures in front of us. Thank you for the truths that we're about to sing about, that uh, they weren't fabricated somewhere. They all find their origin in you. We thank you for these sacred writings that, that you have empowered and passed down over the years that have led just the multitudes to salvation. Thank you for the truths revealed. Thank you that there's still so much to learn. Thank you for being our perfectly patient teacher and our guide. And as we sing these songs, Lord, may we just be grateful for the gift of the scriptures. And may you continue to stir the things in us that you have in mind for tonight.